Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness, your patience, your peace, your rest be evident to everyone. Why? Look what it says here. The Lord is near. God's right there. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. I taught this song to the church a few weeks ago. If you're here today visiting, spending time with us, we appreciate you being here. But there's something that's always been dear to my heart, and that is knowing God. Because the truth is, there's a lot of people go to church just because of church. But ladies and gentlemen, we don't go to church. We are the church. And if we are the church, then we need to know the progenitor of the church, which is our Lord God Almighty, King of heaven and earth. Can somebody say amen? We see, if we're going to really know our Father, if we're really going to know the God we serve, we need to know who he is to us to help us to be all we can be to him and this song most scholars believe there's between 9 and 12 specific names of God there's lots of derivatives but there's 9 to 12 specific names well this morning I want to teach you if you're a part of this church you've heard this for the last couple weeks but if you're not a part of this church I want to teach you 6 of those 9 names and what they mean, where they came from. This first name we received from Abraham as he was out on Mount Moriah preparing to offer his son Isaac. And God said, don't touch the boy. And he provided. And the Bible says that in that place, God was known as Jehovah God, Jireh, the God that provides. The next one we find at a place the book of Isaiah talks about. As the prophet Isaiah was prophesying about the coming Messiah and the fact that he'd be wounded for our transgression and bruised for our iniquities, but the chastisement of our peace would be upon him and by the stripes he bore we would be healed. Isaiah was prophesying, his name is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. The next one we find in the 103rd Psalm, David, as he did in many places, he said, I'll not forget all of God's benefits. I'll not forget all that God has done for me. 
And David said that we will call him Jehovah Shammah. The God that is always there. The God that is always with me. So we'll do those three names and then we'll continue on. It goes like this. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, you are more than enough for me. Is Jehovah Rapha, you're my healer, I your song when I was in Australia but I was very disappointed because that was the whole of the song just those three names and I said God there's a whole lot more to a relationship with you than just that and so I started praying I started asking God I started saying God how can I express this even more and so God began to sit down and I took a pen and a paper and I wrote the next verse Help us to understand. No matter where you've been, no matter where you're at, He is the one that promises to get you where you're going. But it's when we reach out and begin to know Him that we realize He's more than enough. More than you could ever imagine. The first one I get from David young boy on the side of a mountain tending his father's sheep. Just a small flock, the Bible says. But it was at that place that David realized that truly, Lord, I'm not the shepherd, but you are my shepherd. Always guiding, always comforting. And then I began to look at Joshua where God has called Jehovah Nisi, 
the banner of protection, of displacement for the enemy. And then, of course, I went back to David, the man after God's own heart. And I began to realize, God, you truly are Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, the pastors all understand. See, that's what I mean. When you have a relationship, you begin to know who the one you're serving is. So this is how that second verse would go. Clap of praise, would you? You can be seated, and I'm going to ask the worship team to stay for just a moment. I I want to first address if you're here visiting for the uh, presentation by Irving Roth uh, two nights ago. We received in. Uh, message. He was in a, he's in the hospital with a massive heart attack. And uh, so he will not be with us this morning. And I apologize. We, we put it out on Facebook. We put it on a mass email. We sent it out every way we could do. And I met two or three folks that were here today. Uh, I think most folks were contacted and people asked me, said, well, I, you know, I'm a part of this, uh, of uh, Christians United for Israel, uh, which we are also. And said, pastor, they didn't send it out. They actually did late last night. And I called Randy. I said, Randy, you canceled a huge event. You should have let us know a few days early. He said, how do I let you know? He was just rushed to the hospital. And so uh, if you are here for that, 
Brother Irving's not going to be with us, but I ask you to continue to pray. Uh, I have been in communication with them, and as of last night, he's still in the hospital. He's doing better. Uh, he's about 90 years old, and, and his schedule, so he's basically canceled uh, pretty much the rest of the year. And uh, the note that I got from them is, is Brother Roth, uh, Roth may not be doing meetings anymore. His health is just not allowing it. So if he does, they have assured us that he will, uh, we will be one of the top people on his list uh, to get him back here. But I encourage you, if you would, there are some websites out there that you can go and you can hear his testimony. Um, just go and look for Christians United for Israel. And then there's a two-part series on YouTube that basically gets his testimony, the things that he would have shared. Uh, nothing like being in person because he shares so much more. So I just encourage you to do that and be a part of that. And so thank you for coming. Uh, and just really the sweet presence of God in this house today. This song that we just sang, um, you know, when, when Christians are dedicating themselves to God. And I want you to listen to me. This is not part of my sermon, though it probably will be. When we commit ourselves to Christ, one of the greatest difficulties that we have is we think the extent of our Christianity is church. Now, don't get me wrong. People say, well, Pastor, you don't have to be a Christian. To, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and rightfully so. But I can promise you, if you don't go to church, you will not stay a Christian. Well, I'm stronger than that. No, just dumber. Okay, and I say that lovingly. Okay? If I am married to this beautiful woman up here, the blonde right here in the middle, we got lots of blondes, but the one right there in the very loud colors. If I'm married to her and I never come home to me to her, how long do you think that relationship's gonna last? That's a pretty simple way of putting it, but it's a very truth. Okay, and vice versa. Or if I start bringing other women home, or vice versa, whatever the case may be. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, God is a jealous God. And God wants us to have a relationship. And so in building a relationship with, with my wife, we dated for two years before we ever got married. Who is she? Now, I'm not, some have gotten married after two weeks. Praise the Lord. We dated for two years. You know what we're doing in those two years? Getting to know each other. I mean, she knows she was getting a good end of the stick when she got. <laughs> Chris, Robin, come on, say amen. Would you please, would you say something? Okay. But the reality is, she, who the heck am I? Who is God? Who is God? A big guy with a beard and a stick in heaven? Or is he Abba? He is your father. Is he your dad? And so we sing that song. And I want you to, Bob, if you would, just put the words, the first verse up there. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm just going to touch on the names. Like I say, many, many more names. The, the nine main names are, are Jehovah Sidkenu and Jehovah Makedish. And um, the, the last one evades my mind right now. But uh, those, the main nine names, all the other ones are derivatives. Okay, they can grab ten, uh, 12 names out of it usually, but, 
But I, I look at the, name, the, the nine. And I, and I look through there and I think, okay, God, why? What is this all about? And I started looking at life and thinking, you know what? This really covers all of life. Jehovah's is he's my righteousness. I'm a right man. I'm a righteous man because of him, not because of me. Uh, Jehovah Makedish, I can't remember on that and, and the other name. But look at this first one, Jehovah Jireh. How many need provision? Anybody in this place besides me? Now, a lot of us look at our jobs as our provider. No. God is your provider. You ever got fired from a job? You ever quit a job? Things didn't work out on a job? Real quick, you find out that job's not providing. If you could put the next name up, Bob. Jehovah Rapha. You ever been sick? Hurt? Mentally, emotionally, physically, socially? When Jesus in, in, in Isaiah 53 says he's wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, chastised for our peace upon him, and by his stripes we are healed, the, 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 the compounding of all of that deals with the physical, the mental, the emotional, the social aspects of every day of your life. He is the God that heals, and he will continue to heal. You may be hurting right now and say, well, it's just, you know, it's tough. I want to talk about the sons of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim a little bit this morning. And why every single time the Jew, a Jewish person asked for God's blessing on a family, he asked for the blessing of Manasseh and Ephraim. Why, does, why don't they ask for the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Because there's something about Joseph's first and second son that makes a huge difference in our life. By his stripes, God's still healing, folks. Jehovah Shammah. You ever felt alone? Oh, you might be in a room full of people, but you feel totally alone. Anybody like that? In John 16, Jesus told the disciples, it's interesting, the verse chapter starts out the same way it ends. He said, in the world, I told you you're going to have problems. He said, in me, you're going to have peace. You know why I'm going to have peace? Because he overcame the world. Am I making any sense? Have you ever been in that place? You just feel, man, God, where is everybody? Where is anybody? But in the midst of that, Jesus said these words in John 31, or John 16, uh, 31, 2, and 3. He said, the time is coming and even is now that you're going to leave me. And listen to what he said. And I'm going to be alone. There's times you stand up. If you're a Christian, you stand up and you think everybody in the brother thinks you smell like bad fish. And they leave you. And you're all alone. But you know what Jesus said? He said, though everybody leaves, I'm not alone. My Father's still with me. But you see, you can't learn that if you just go to church. You've got to build the relationship. Get to know this God we serve. Jehovah-Rohi. David is called the shepherd of God's people. 
David is the only one called a man after God's own heart. A shepherd. You know a shepherd doesn't drive a flock. A shepherd leads a flock. God's not back there with a stick. Come on, come on. Oh, he does have a staff and a rod. But listen to what David says. He said, they comfort me. Do you know what the staff was for? The staff was to block things out and to pull things in. Do you know what the rod was for? To knock things over the head. When the wolf showed up, he took that rod and he said, okay, buddy, come on. When that sheep got out of line, he took that staff and he, come on, guys, get back in here. And then at the evening time, the shepherd didn't close the gate. The shepherd became the gate. You know why? He wanted you to know, oh, yeah, I got a hedge of protection. I got a fence of protection. But this gate, to get to you, they got to come through me. You see, folks, nothing touches the father's child until it's first allowed by the child's father. Am I making any sense? That's what a shepherd is. Jehovah Rohi. Jehovah Nisi. After the death of Moses, great battles happened before Moses died. But after the death of Moses, God told Joshua in Joshua 1, he said, as I was with my servant Moses, I will be with you all the days of your life. And over and over and over, Joseph or Joshua took God's people into battle. Over and over and over, battles won. Over and over. And when they weren't won, listen to me, when they weren't won, God showed him why. Says you're Jehovah Nisi. The New Testament, the Old Testament, says the banner over us is his love. His grace. And one of my favorite names of God, a name that I call out to almost to a daily basis, he's Jehovah Shalom. Well, it's more than just peace. You know what the word shalom, when you're in Israel or you're someplace and you're greeted by a, uh, an Israeli, a Jewish person, they shalom. It means I greet you with the blessings of God. With the arms of God open wide means much more than just peace. But can I tell you, when you have Jehovah Shalom in your life, nothing else matters because he becomes the peace that passes all understanding. Can somebody say amen? He's Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. Get to know him as this. He is more than enough for me. Get to know him that he is Jehovah Rapha. When you're hurting, when you're broken, when you're frustrated, when you're anxious, you're my healer, God, and I need healing. By the stripes you bore at Calvary, I've been set free. you feel like you're all alone and everyone has forsaken you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be Jehovah Shammah. See, this is what you do is you get to know God 
in this way. And no matter where you are, where you've been, you'll know these words. He's more than enough. He is more than enough. You are more than enough for me. you believe that, give him a hand clap of praise, would you? We had some, thank you so much, worship team. We had some technical difficulties over the weekend. And, uh, you know, praise the Lord. We're hoping to get through them. Jeremy, are we in good shape now? Okay, you can hear me. Folks, don't worry. I've preached overseas enough. Pastor Philemon can attest, I don't need a microphone much. And so if it if the mic goes out, I will I will preach I'll, everything that God has placed on my heart. How many appreciate our worship team? Then they do a great job. If you have your Bibles, and I know I've already kind of preached the sermon, but I want to conclude something that we began a couple weeks ago. Because I'm talking about the fact that God has wrapped all eternity up in you. All of God's happiness, all of God's joy, all of God's eternity, He wrapped around you. And you know, He, he will not be completely happy, fulfilled, complete. Oh, He's complete in Himself, happy in Himself, fulfilled in Himself. God doesn't need us. God wants us. But until that day that that trumpet blows and he said it's over. Because all of eternity he wrapped up in you and I. So much so 2,000 years ago he sent his son to pay the final price. And if you have your notes in front of you, I'm going to take you down the page a little bit to Philippians chapter 4. Where Paul is addressing one of the greatest detriments that you and I have. And that is... That is uh, Confidence, contentment, 
And I've titled the sermon that's in your hand, Promised Peace Only Follows Purposeful Pursuit. The way that I develop peace in my life as a man of God, as a woman of God, if you develop peace in your life, is you have to pursue the God of peace. You have to know him as Jehovah Shalom. Rohi, Shama. Philippians 4, Paul is telling the church of Philippi. Now understand, this church of Philippi was a very destitute church. Yet the Bible says that they gave more than just about any other church, time and time and time again. But he he gives an understanding of why the church was able to give so much. And we find it recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He said, they first gave themselves. Now, get your eyes out of your notes for a second. Don't get lost right there. I want you to think of this for a second. Is it not one of the greatest struggles you have in our life, in your life, in my life, when I have only partially given myself to God? I wonder when things aren't going right, are they really not going right, or is it that I'm not right? Now, that's, that's, a, that's a mouthful. Is it really that everything's wrong or that I'm wrong? Now, I know that this is not popular in the church because when you go to church, you want to tell, be told how good you are and how good God is and how wonderful everything is. Well, folks, my Bible doesn't, doesn't expound things that way. Yes, God is good. God is wonderful. Uh, and living in God is good. But he said, in this world, you're going to have problems. And if I don't put two and two together and realize it's not always coming out to four, it might come out to five sometimes, it might come out to three sometimes, it isn't all coming out the way I think it should, but God's continually in charge. Paul's writing to the church of Philippi. And he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he said, let your gentleness. I'm reading the New International Version. That word gentleness says, let your patience. Are you a person of patience? Let your peace. Are you a person of peace? Let your rest. The fact that you're confident when everything's blowing apart. Okay. I've shared this with our church if you're visiting today, and I'll share it with you. One of the things that you'll hear if you spend any time with me, if something good happens, I'll say, praise the Lord. If something bad happens, church, what will I say? What am I saying? Am I happy that something bad happened? No. I'm content that he's still in charge. And so when I'm giving praise to God, I'm saying, God, I can't do anything about it. Why am I going to bathe myself in it? Walking in that patience, that peace, that rest. Is it evident to people? My wife and I uh, took a trip, and we, uh, in our trip, we have a camper. And it started ha- things started happening. And so we're 2,000 miles away, and there's nothing much we can do. But she didn't wig out. I didn't wig out. You know what we said? So we got some duct tape. How many know duct tape was God's creation? 
Well, maybe not. Maybe on the eighth day or something. But we got duct tape and we got screws. We had Jeff and Lucinda were with us. And, and Jeff and I are crawling up on top of the camper. And, man, we're just fixing everything. I'm glad he was there because he's a whole lot, whole lot smarter than me. And so we were getting stuff taped down and, and screwed down and fixed up. And, and we made the best out of it. It was funny. We were sitting in an RV park and, and uh, we got this great big old tarp hang over top, you know. Got a very expensive camper. And it's got a piece of gray tarp over top. And and duct tape. Yeah, and it still leaked. What'd we say? Folks, why do you get all heated over something? Why do you get all bothered over something? Can you change it? Oh, yes. Then why don't you? Why do we still get bothered by it? Well, that's just human nature. No, that's your nature. Say, well, Pastor, everybody gets, I just said I didn't. You say, well, does anything ever bother you? Oh, yeah, things bother me. I won't mention any names, though. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness, your patience, your peace, your rest be evident to everyone. Why? Look what it says here. The Lord is near. God's right there. Hebrews 13 says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's where our contentment comes. Now, we like to say it because it says there in Hebrews 13, 5, he says, be content in such things as you have. Well, you know, I don't have much. That's not what he's talking about. Well, I have a lot, but it's kind of gone right now. That's not what he's talking about. Be content in such things as you have. What's the next line? For it is written. Do you know every time Satan came against Jesus, Jesus' response was, it is written. You say, well, Pastor, what's, it is written. Same three words. Praise the Lord. And what is written? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. See, our contentment comes in the fact that the Lord is near. That's why he says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and then the God of peace. You see the order of things? He said, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, then bring it to God. Get into a place to where you realize, God, you're sovereign. You're in charge of all of this. Then, when I know, ain't nothing I can do. Boy, sure is a peaceful place. Can you say amen? And he said, this is what will happen. He said, my peace will guard your hearts and your minds. See, what part of what God is saying, there's a whole bunch more stuff there, and I'm not going to take time. Thank you, Bob, for putting it up there. But I'm not going to take time to read the rest of that Philippians 4 section where it says whatever is true and, and noble and right. Uh, go through that. But l- l- what Paul is saying, part of what God is trying to get us to understand is that understanding our worth in him, who we are in him, will give us certain victory. It doesn't matter what's going on. God said, you are the apple of my eye. You're worth more than many sparrows. But here's where the problem begins. Is even though we focus that direction and still do nothing, nothing changes. You and I have to do something. We have to engage in this relationship. Just like that song. We have to learn. We have to understand. 
Good to see you. Feeling better? Good. We have to understand who he is. We have to come to that relationship of grabbing a hold of what he has done. Can somebody say amen? I read a story one time about a man that was in dire straits, and and this guy was frustrated. He was aggravated, and he was praying. And he said, God, I wouldn't pray this way, but you know where I am. You know what's going on. He said, God, help me win the lottery. Say, Pastor, can Christians play the lottery? I don't know. The only lottery I found in the Bible is when they were gambling for Jesus' clothes. I'm not thinking I want to do that. But still, I, you, that's between you and God. So he's praying. He's frustrated. He's, he's, oh, he's, he's between a rock and a hard place. You been there? God, let me win the lottery. Well, he prayed this for weeks. Talking to God. He said, God, you know I wouldn't pray this way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this. Well, finally, God got tired of listening to him. God, I need to win the lottery. Heaven opens, God speaks. Will you at least go buy a ticket? Now think about it for a second. No, I'm not advocating lottery, so don't go out here. Pastor Tim said go play the lottery. No, I did not say that. But I'm thinking, see, this guy, he's expecting God to do everything. And us to do nothing. Can I tell you something? If you want peace, you better start doing something. You want peace in the middle of the problem? Go find out what the problem is. And then go do your part to take care of it. Man, that went over like a lead balloon. It just went right to the altar and repented. That, you mean I have a part? Every single one of us do. Can you say amen? Many think that if God is in it, he'll change it. He'll make it less difficult or magically fix the problem. Yet, folks, we fail to realize that there's a huge difference between miracles and magic. You see, in magic, we do nothing. But in a miracle, we meet God on his terms. Paul wrote to Timothy. And I want you to look at that. It's on the screen. Timothy chapter 1. For this reason. Now, I think that's an interesting thought that he puts that, re- that statement in there. Timothy is going through some pretty difficult times. He's pastoring in the church, city of Ephesus. And the king of Ephesus is a guy named Herod. And Herod's a guy that don't like Christians much. But he built this beautiful garden. Have you ever heard of the hanging gardens? It's a beautiful place in Ephesus. And, and you can, I think they still exist today. I haven't been to Ephesus. But if you've been there, uh, you can pull them up online. You can look at them. The hanging gardens. Well, he was, he was despondent because he loved his garden so much. He was despondent that he could only enjoy them 10 to 12 hours a day, depending on how much light. And so he started figuring a way, I got to do something to light this place up. And this guy really disliked Christians. Timothy's the pastor of the church at Ephesus. So you know what? Or Nero, I said Herod, didn't I? Nero was the king. So you know what Nero came up with a great idea? He said, fine, I'll, I'll just start putting some flames out there. I'll put some candles out there. Not candles, but I'll put some torches. But the best way he found to do torches was to wrap Christians in skins, impale them, and they would light up his garden all night long. That's the city that Timothy was pastoring. 
He's a little frustrated. How many can tell you that might be an issue? Well, he comes, Paul comes to Ephesus to talk to this young man who is his protege and, and started ministering to him and said, Timmy, I know you got problems. But for this reason, I have come, and I have come to remind you something. You see it there in the passage? For this reason, reason I remind you. What is he reminding him? Oh, yeah, what the statement says there. But when you go and look at the history of what Paul is, de- uh, Paul is dealing with with Timothy, he said, Timothy, I want to remind you how firm you used to stand. It didn't matter if the devil himself showed up. You were staunch. You were firm. You were resolute. So he said, Timmy, I want you to stir into a flame that fire that once existed. You're listening to me. You're in this place. And you're going through a hard time. You're going through a struggle. You're going through a low time. You're going through a time where you think, my goodness, is God anywhere around me? I can't talk to people. I can't talk. Man, that preacher, nobody can talk to him. I can't, you know, hey, you know, God, what's going on? Well, I'm going to put your name up there. Will, fan into a flame. Chuck, fan into a flame. You know what that literally is saying? Take the poker of your memory and start stirring up all the things that I've already done. The problem is when things are undone, we forget what's already been done. We forget where we used to walk, where we used to be, where we used to stand. And then I love the passage you said, stir it up. That gift that's in you, what God placed in you with a laying on of hands. And then he says these words. He said, God did not give you that spirit of timidity. Or in some translations, it says a spirit of fear, of reticence, reserve. You're afraid to step out and do what you want to do, even though God didn't change. You know what he's literally saying? Timmy, you've lost your moral fortitude. He said, God didn't give you that fear. But God said, I gave you power. You know whose power? God said, I gave you my power. Ephesians 3.20 says, exceeding abundantly above anything you can ask or think, we are able to do according to his power. That word dunamis. That power of God's Spirit operating. He said, we are able to do according to His power that works in us. You see, when He gave us a spirit of power, it was His power that He gave into our life. He said, I gave you love. Oh, not just any love. It wasn't phileo. It wasn't eros. He said, I gave you my love. That word love there is agape. See, agape love is the kind of love that loves when there's nothing to love. You might have had somebody come against you. You might have had something happen in your life, and love is the last thing you're feeling for them. It's okay. It's okay. God said, I'll, I'll give you my love for them. Oh, how, how's that work? He'll take you to a place called Calvary, and he'll say the same thing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see, God can give a power of love when you don't know how to love anymore. It's the Calvary kind of love where you can forgive. 
even if you don't want to. And then he capitalizes or capsulates it with this, and a power of self, a spirit of self-discipline. That's resolve, folks. What it literally is is the same thing we find in Philippians 4.13 where he says, I can do all things. Say that with me. I can do all things. Where you are, say, I can do all things. Where you've been, say, I can do all things. Where you're going, say it with me. I can do all things. You see, folks, it doesn't matter where you were, God was. Where you are, God is. And where you're going to be, God's going to be there too. Can you say amen? And God says you got to get to the place to where you understand all things. Can I tell you something? I looked in the Greek, and you know the word all means? All. That was worth the price of admission right there. But then he tells you you got to do something. Remember that miracle and magic? you got to do something. 1 Corinthians 10.5 says you have to cast down that thing that come against you. And then I, I didn't put it in your notes, but I want you to write it in there. I was reading through my notes this morning, and God says, yeah, you've got to put, the, you gotta put the, the end on this thing. And that's in the 12th verse where Paul says, Timothy, understand, I'm in prison. Now think about it. Paul's writing this from prison. He's encouraging Timothy from prison. How many feel like you'd be encouraged if you were in prison? Paul's encouraging Timothy in prison. And you know what? He's in prison for the gospel of Christ, for the cause of the Lord. And you know what Paul told Timothy? He said, Timmy, the 12th verse, Philippians chapter 4, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. He said, I am not ashamed. And then he said these words, for I know who I have believed, and I trust him. Isaiah 26 says it this way, God will keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is steadfast. There's that self-discipline, that resolution, that resolute man or woman whose mind is steadfast because you trust him. I don't know why it's happening. I don't know what's happening. But I know that in the middle, God's still happening. Did you know there's three kinds of people in the world? Those that watch things happen, those that make things happen, and those who ain't got a clue what's happening. Uh, Yeah, I'll leave that with you. You know what Isaiah, you know what Timothy are saying? God is a God of sovereignty. He's in control. Nothing else matters. Can somebody say amen? Okay. You see, I've learned, ladies and gentlemen, when I've exhausted all my feeble attempts, God picks up the pieces and says, what do you want to do now? And we move on. Quickly, the pursuit of peace enables the possibility of purpose. What I'm doing, I was praying with somebody just this morning, saying, God, I'm not looking for my plan. I'm looking for your plan. Can I tell you something? One of our greatest difficulties is we're looking for our plan over top of God's plan. Paul in Philippians chapter 3, he said, this one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I press on to what's ahead. See, what Paul was doing, he was describing his journey to heaven. And that word press on is the same place that we get the word self-discipline from. 
He said, I discipline. And then he goes into that whole thing and he talks about soldiers and he talks about the, uh, the, uh, the uh, 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 runner people, uh, athletes. And he talks about farmers and he, he says, you know, these guys discipline themselves. They do something believing for God's miraculous to come in. He said self-discipline helped him to overlook the maladies of life that enabled him to obtain the glory of eternity. Paul said two things. I forget and I press on. I forget and I press on. I forget and I press Well, pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm pressing on. That's right, but you're carrying a burden of not forgetting. That's why God says, you gotta, you gotta realize my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Can somebody get excited in the house of God? You see, God said it's not about keeping score. It's not about who's done what, where, or how I was born, sacrificed, or what I've done, or what they've done, what you could have been, or what you could not have been, or what you're owed, folks. This entitlement society that we live in is killing the church. Because the church comes to the church expecting to be served when God says your job is to serve. Well, I thought that was your job. Partially. But you know the biggest part of my job is to get you to do your job. <laughs> Did you record that, Bob? Is it in the recording? I, I hope so. So everybody heard the Amen. So when I come knocking on your door and say, are you ready to serve? Well, that wasn't my voice. I'll pull your voice real loud out of it. Philippians chapter 2 says, therefore, my dear friends, and I want you to underline this in your notes, as you have always obeyed. And if that's you, put your name next to that. Don't let anybody else see it because you may not have your name next to it. Not just in my presence. See, a lot of people obey, and a lot of people do things when the preacher's there, when they're in church. But what happens when nobody's there except God? He said, now much more in my absence. Continue, look at this, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God working in you to act according to his good purpose. You see, folks, you'll never live today by holding on to yesterday. We have to get past the past if we're ever going to have a future. I told you I was going to talk to you a little bit about Joseph's sons. Joseph's firstborn was a boy named Manasseh. The word Manasseh means to forget. How many think Joseph had a couple things to forget? You talk about somebody that seemed like he was born on the wrong end of the stick. Twelfth of twelve kids. Thirteenth, actually, I think. The rest of the kids didn't like him because he was daddy's favorite. Joseph, they sell him into slavery until daddy got killed by an animal. God raises him out of that. He gets thrown into prison. God raises him out of that. 
other things begin to happen until all of a sudden Joseph goes from the outhouse to the penthouse. What's an outhouse? Well, Manasseh, Joseph's firstborn son, Joseph's name is Manasseh because Manasseh means to forget. Ephraim, the second son, the name means to be fruitful. That's why the blessings of the Jews, the blessings of the Jewish people, when they come to bless your home, the blessing will always be the blessing of Manasseh and Ephraim. Not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, they'll bring that in there. But you'll always find Manasseh and Ephraim. Why? Because they want you to understand, you don't need to be blessed. You've got to forget to be fruitful. You've got to forget to be fruitful. Folks, promised peace will follow purposeful pursuit. Hebrews 4, 14 says that we have a high priest, Jesus, and we have to hold firmly to that relationship. First Corinthians chapter 10. And I use this verse today. It's one of those throwaway verses that whenever somebody's going through something, they say, well, you know, God won't call it, let you go through anything you can't handle. Well, folks, I've been in the middle of some stuff. I was sure God didn't write that verse for me because I sure the heck can't handle it. But then God started unraveling it to me. And just like those names of God that we talked about earlier, God said, I've made a way for everything. He said, I've been through everything. So because I made a way, I will show you that way. If you will trust me. I don't know why you're where you are. I don't know what has gotten you to that situation. I don't know why things went south when you were believing for them to go north. But I do know that God said everybody in the world goes through the exact same stuff every day. And that he said, if I'm in it, the Lord is near. He's walking in it with me. And he's walking me through it. That one day I'll be delivered from it. He said, yeah, you're going to face stuff. But it will not break you as long as you trust me. See, Jesus is able to do what he is able to do because he's been exactly where you are. And he understands what you're facing. He understands the situation you're going through. Can somebody say amen? amen? Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I'm using Philippians a lot today because 
Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, of all this passage in the Bible, I got, you know, I tell people all the time, this is my favorite passage. They say, Pastor, you say every passage is your favorite passage. That's right. If it's in the Bible, it's mine. It's favorite, okay? But the church of Philippi, four little chapters. When people ask me about going through life, I'll tell them, read Philippians. Going through relationships, read Philippians. Going through struggles, read Philippians. Going through fill in the blank, read Philippians. Those four little chapters will transform your life because they always take you back to the one who can do what you can't do and the one who will be what you have not yet been. And Paul said these words in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He said, I'm confident that the one who began the work in you, he'll complete it. Look at me over here on the right side. Everyone look at me. I'm confident the one who began the work in you, he's going to complete it. He's going to complete it. I'm confident here in the right section that the God who brought you where you are, he began that work in you. Why is it? Don't have a clue. He's sovereign. I'm trusting But you know what? He's going to complete it. He is going to complete it. And on the other side of it, you're going to sit back and say, oh, that's why that happened. Over here, look at me, look at me. Can I tell you something? I'm confident. I'm confident that the one who began a work in you, don't look at my feet, look at my face. I'm not looking at my feet. I'm confident that the one who began Are you looking at me back there? God didn't bring you this far to clap you down. He didn't bring. He said, I got a higher plan. I got a bigger call. I got a purpose that I'm going to fulfill. And you know what? God's able to do it. Can somebody say amen? Okay, let me look at the rest of you over here. Over here on my left side. Can I tell you something? He who began. Well, Pastor, you left us for last. Are you thinking God can finish over here too? Look at somebody and say, the one who began, he will complete. Go ahead and say it like you believe it. You believe it, Cody? You believe it? You believe it, John? You believe it? You believe it, David? He said, I'm confident. This is the same Paul that's writing encouragement to Timothy from a prison cell. And he said, I'm not ashamed, Timmy. Because I know the one of whom I have believed. You watch it, the Baptist to come out in me now. And he is able to finish what he started. Because ladies and gentlemen, as we have pursued, it is there that God fulfills. You've got to keep your eyes on the prize. I'm going to start a series next week. And the series is out of this church, out of its, its logo, its standard, its banner. We are destined to win. You keep your eyes 
stay the course, you're guaranteed victory. Isaiah 59. The Lord looked down and was displeased with all that he saw because there was no justice. So look what he did. And this is for everyone that's listening this morning. He saw there was no one who could intervene. So you know what he did? Look what it says. He sent his own strong arm and worked salvation. The righteousness was sustained by him. You know who that strong arm was? Jesus. And because of what Jesus has done, we can rejoice. We're not what we were. But you can accept the fact that we will become what he called us to be as we keep our eyes on what happened at Calvary. I want to ask the worship team to come as I conclude this morning. Don't get distracted. Keep your eyes on the screens and all the notes because I want to read some cha- some chapters to you. Romans chapter 5, verses 18 through 19. As a result of one trans- trespass, condemnation came upon everyone. But because of one's act of righteousness, justification that brings life has come upon everyone. Because of what happened in the garden, all men have sinned. But because of what happened at Calvary, all that call upon the name of the Lord will be made righteous. Then God, true to his nature and character, redeemed us. That word I've taught in this church before, but if you're here and you're a guest and you're, a vis- you're with us for the first time today, that word redeemed means to put value back on something that was stolen. When I was a young boy, uh, they used to have, uh, well, not a young boy, gosh, this is not that long ago. They used to have what was called SNH green stamps. They had gold stamps. They had purple. They had all kinds of stamps. I remember the SNH green stamps. Well, the SNH green stamps had a place called the Redemption Center. And you know what you did at that Redemption Center? You took those green pieces of paper that really had no value, and you took them, and they made them of value. And they gave you whatever your green stamps could buy. Jesus at Calvary, he said, Father, they have no value because the God of this world has destroyed them. But here on this cross, I'm going to take all the sins of the world, and I'm going to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, and I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to put value back on them. Can somebody say amen? And then what happened on the third day? He was standing on the on, on Mount of Olives, and he's preparing to ascend. Mount of Olives, just between Jerusalem and Bethany. He's standing on the Mount of Olives. He's preparing to ascend into heaven. And he declares these words in Matthew 28. He says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority, say that with me, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And you know what he did? He turned around and said, here, I'm giving it to you. And he said, therefore, because it was given to me, I'm giving it to you. Go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say make converts. He said make disciples. You see what a disciple does? They make a decision. What I was... I'm not going to be. What I am, thank God, I'm not going to be very long. But what I'm going to be, 
is going to be because of his grace and glory. Can you say amen? You see, because it's on the screen, because we pursue him, he promises and gives us certain victory. You know what the victories are? We find in Philippians 4.13 that now we have the authority over all things and I can do all things. And that, number two, the kingdom of Satan has been destroyed. The Bible says in Colossians 2, if the God of this world would have known what he's doing, he wouldn't have crucified Jesus because he was signing his own death warrant. Can somebody say amen? Number three, look at this. He says, we have been raised and seated in high places beside Christ Jesus. Now, right now we've been taking that place. He said, number four, he said, now we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. I love that 835 verse. He said, now we are more than conquerors. And the fifth thing he said, he has once again turned all the authority back to his children. Wow. What amazing, amazing truth. And he told us in Psalm 37, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live in the land and prosper. Delight yourself with the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Well, that literally, you go back into the Hebrew, what he's literally saying is when the Lord becomes your delight, his heart becomes your desire. And then he says these words, and these are the hard words. Commit everything you do to the Lord and trust him. You see, the Bible says, The people that determine within themselves, I don't care what's going on. I'm not going to be moved. I don't care what you've done. It ain't going to make a difference to me. But what if they, what if they, they slap you? Well, I guess I turn the other cheek. What if they slap you again? I only got two cheeks. Take a chance. (laughs) Folks, I have determined nothing shall separate me from God's love. Why do we? People who determine within themselves to do the will of God and discipline themselves in the will of God will accomplish the will of God. They will be filled with peace. For this is the love for God. And I close with this. It's on the screen. Look what it says. This is the love of God. Now, take, get your eyes on the screen. Look at this. And I want you to find this in your Bible because you need to mark it down. This is the love of God. That we obey His commands. And listen to this. And living for Him is not burdensome. Oh, this living for God, it's, it's hard. Folks, it ain't hard. It's impossible. But not when I got his power in me. That's, right. That's why I can love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I can love you the same way. Okay, look what he says. His commands are not burdensome. Living for him is not burdensome. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the faith that I'm walking in. Did I make any sense today? I want to take you to the 123rd Psalm. If you have your Bibles, 
Why don't you turn there with me? I lied. Where's it at? Here it is. I was close. 139th song. As a 23rd, I was thinking of Psalm 23. 139th song. 23rd verse. I want you to read it with me. New International King James, they usually read the same. Are you there? Okay. 139th Psalm, 23rd and 24th verse. Now take your eyes off the Scripture for a second. Look at me. I want to ask you, where are you? You having a problem with peace? It's generally because you're somewhere you shouldn't be. Well, what about everybody else? has nothing to do with anybody else. Greater is he that's in us. Can I tell you something about the wrong place? Always the wrong time. Always the wrong time. He said, well, I didn't come to listen to you today. I listened to, came to listen to Irving Roth. No, you're exactly where God wants you. Amen. Come on. Because this message is for you today. When I'm in a situation, I have to ask God, God, if it's going bad, I know the problem is not the situation. It could be that I'm in the wrong situation. could be I'm in the wrong place. Or I'm letting it affect me wrongly. Well, pastor doesn't, don't they bear any responsibility? Yep, they sure do. That's between them and God. Doesn't have anything to do with you. This passage... It's a passage I pray and I sing all the time. You know why? Because I know the first problem and the problem is the guy standing in my shoes. And I'm going to pursue God because then I'll have peace. This psalm says this. Read it with me, would you? Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. I don't know which version we have up there, but that's what your prayer needs to be. God, I'm pursuing you. That's your prayer, Jess. You've got to pursue God got to pursue God. Ed, that's the prayer. Pastor, that's the prayer. Search me, God. All this stuff that's happening, I don't have any peace. You promised I would have peace. God said yes. In this world, you're going to have problems. But in me, you're going to have peace. Let's get back in Him. We turn this psalm into a song. And it goes just like this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
try me and know my thoughts. This is my prayer. See if there be wicked, untrusting, unbelieving, discord in me. And lead me, God, back to that way. That's it. The music's going to play softly before we sing the next verse. But I'm going to ask you, where are you at? You having a problem with peace? God wrapped all eternity around you. And he said, I want you to have peace. My peace surpasses all understanding. Literally, right where you are. You can't figure it out? Don't worry. God says, I'm there. Rejoice in me always. Again, I say rejoice, Paul's writing here. Trust the Lord, because he is there. Maybe you're carrying stuff. Maybe you're going through stuff. Maybe you're dealing with stuff. These altars, today's for you. God made this day just for you. I'm going to open these altars, and I'm going to ask you to do something. Bring that wagon load of junk and leave it here. Bring that, that, that yoke of despair and lay it here. Bring the anxieties and frustrations and lay them here. And then do something. When you get up, leave them. The Bible says in the 103rd Psalm, God cast it as far as the east is from the west. Another psalm says he places them in the sea of forgetfulness. And then what's he do, pastor? He forgets. But he does something else. He puts a no fishing sign up and says, why don't you forget too? Leave it there. Leave it there. We're going to sing this song again. Search me, O God. And I'm going to ask you, you need to leave something. You'll find God right here at this altar. As he has been for your whole life. These altars are open. Let's sing. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Come on, church. These altars are open. I ask you to come. Don't leave the way you came, with a burden, with frustration, with anxiety, with uncertainty. Come and leave it in this altar. People will meet you here. They will pray with you. They'll believe with you. They'll trust with you. Just come. Find a place. Lay it here in God's altar. We need altar workers. Please come pray. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. See.
We're trusting you. We're believing you, Father. And Lord, in Jesus' name, God, we don't always understand why things are going the way they're going. But God, we know they are. And Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that it's not by might, it's not by power. God, it's by your spirit. And God, we we don't understand how the spirit works. This direction, that direction. But God, we do know that you're faithful. Not allowing us to go through anything we can't handle. But God, the reality of it all, you're going right through it with us. You're going right through it with us. And Lord, the one who began the work in me, the one who began the work in me, you, God, you're going to finish it. That means you're going to walk this entire journey hand in hand, side by side, step by step. Father, I don't, and I may never understand why things happen the way they happen. But God, you do. God, and you told us that all eternity is wrapped up in us. And God, today, I'm going to get the throne back to you. And you're going to be the sovereign of my life. You're going to be the one that makes a difference, that I call out to. God, starting today, I'm going to get to know you in a more intimate way. In Jesus' name. People are still at the altar. Just look at me one more time before I turn the service. You know, I wish I could say that where you've been, you'll never be again. But I'll, I'll be lying. As long as there's a devil on this earth, you will be there again. You say, well, Pastor, why doesn't he try something else? Because what he's done works so good. Not broke, don't fix it. No new bag of tricks. He does the same thing. So today, may God show me where I am. Meet me where I am. That where you are, I'll be. Let's stand back to our feet. Would you play that other song, Bill, please? Uh, the Names of God. Heather, you lead us in that, please. I don't want you to leave until this song is done. I don't want anybody to leave until this song is done. Because I want you to pay attention to these names of God. Because you may be the place that you need Jehovah Jireh. You may be at the at the end of your financial rope, you may have no nothing happening. Next Sunday, we begin our financial peace class. A place that will take you through God's word and help you to understand how to handle your finances. Help you to control them. They, they don't control you. And it's all through Jehovah Jireh. 
He is the one that's going to supply it and provide it. And He just wants you to meet Him. So I ask you today, before this, before anybody leaves, let them get through the first verse and the second verse and think about what each name means. That He is my provider. That He is my healer. That He is the one that always is there with me. That He is my peace. That He is my banner. That He is my shepherd. Meet God where He is. You meet Him. God, I need you to meet me. Don't work that way. The prodigal son, the father never went after him. It wasn't until the prodigal decided, I got to go back and meet my dad. That the father come running. When you run to God, Jesus runs to you. But not until. It's time for you and I to realize all of eternity is wrapped up in us. Let's start living like we believe. Let's get to know our God as he wants to know us. Can you say amen? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.